0: everybody. Uh, Thursday morning, can you believe it? This this year is just running past. It's now already at the end of October. So um, uh, we have a, a meeting again with uh, the Selling Church for, for our building. So uh, uh, please pray with us. Three o'clock this afternoon, we're going to have a meeting. And ten o'clock, this, this morning, ten o'clock, we will go and look at the the one house on the property as well. So that's exciting. All right, so I just want to open this one. Hello, Lene. Hello, Janine. It's good to see you there. And everyone on Facebook that haven't commented, bless you. (laughs) It's good to see you. (laughs) Okay, so I just want to talk a little bit about love and the fulfillment of love in the law. But but you know what? The character of love, you know, You'll see that love forgives. That's who love is. That's what love is. So I want to start in Matthew chapter 5, a Sermon on the Mount, and that's where Jesus really put the, the law and the heart of the law back into perspective. Hi, Rob. It's good to see you there. Um, so uh, so Jesus takes some statements, and then he exp- expands on it. So, so he says, Uh, verse 21, You have heard it was said to the men of old, You shall not kill. And whoever kills shall be liable to and unable to escape the punishment imposed by the court. But I say to you that everyone who continues to be angry with his brother or harbors malice, enmity of heart against him shall be liable and unable to escape the punishment imposed by the court. So it's just an attitude of heart. That's like the true standard of the law. (laughs) And whoever speaks contemptuously and insultingly to his brother shall be liable and unable to escape the punishment imposed by the Sanhedrin. And whoever says, you cursed fool, you empty-headed idiot, shall be liable to and unable to escape the hell of fire. Gehenna of fire. All right. So... um, the point is that the standard of the law is much higher than than we think. It's much higher than we can keep. It says here, so if when you are offering your gift at the altar, you there remember that your brother has any grievance against you. So he's speaking in the context of the law because Jesus stopped all the offerings at the altar. So he says, if you are offering your gift at the altar, you there... Remember that your brother has any grievance against you. Leave your gift at the altar and go. First make peace with your brother, then come back and present your gift. So to God, interpersonal relationships is really important. Okay? So even in the law. Verse 27, You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who so much as looks at a woman with evil desire for has already committed so, uh, committed adultery so the the standard is something of the heart, not something of the outward appearance so, so it's impossible for humanity to even start to begin to try and, uh, and f- fulfill the law, because even your thoughts make you guilty. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's just it's just much worse than we think. So that's why we need the blood of Jesus. That's why we need the holy spirit on the inside of us that fulfills the whole standard of the law. He is he loves perfectly. He thinks perfectly of everybody. He you know, he has be, the best intent of everybody at heart. He fulfills the law in you. Okay. Now he says here Verse 38, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the evil man who injures you. But if anyone strikes you on the right jaw or the cheek, turn to him, the other one too. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your undershirt, let him have your coat also. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to him who keeps on begging from you, and do not turn away from him who would borrow from you. Okay. So, it removes the whole concept of self-preservation. So, if we really, if we just take this over to the new, and take this over to our relationship with Jesus, imagine living a life in such trust of his provision, that we wouldn't even want to preserve our, whatever we have. You know, when people try to steal it, say, okay, take this also. <laughs> uh, if anyone begs, you just give. If anyone, you know, imagine living in such trust and in such dependence on him for provision. Now he says in verse 43, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate him. Your enemies. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Not against those who persecute you, but for those who persecute you. To show that you are the children of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the wicked and on the good. He makes the rain fall upon the upright and the wrongdoers alike. So much so. F- so so much for the the notion that God will uh withhold rain, you know back when Cape Town was close to running out of water, all the dams were empty a couple of years ago. People went on record and preached it all over. God is angry at Cape Town, and that's why there's no rain, yeah. So that must mean that there's no sin in Cape Town today because there's rain and all the dams are full. Yeah, that doesn't make sense, does it? So, uh, And then what about New York City? I don't think New York City has less sin than Cape Town. Or What about Johannesburg? What about Pretoria? What about any other city in the world full of people and people are eminently, preeminently sinful? So yeah, I don't think... That works. But he says, uh, he makes rain fall upon the upright and the wrongdoers alike. For if you love those who love you, what reward can you have? Do not even the tax collectors do that. And if you greet only your brethren, what uh, what more than others are you doing? Do not even the Gentiles do that. You therefore must be perfect, growing into complete maturity of godliness and mind and character, having reached the proper height of virtue and integrity as your heavenly Father is perfect. All right, so that's the standard of the law. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Um, Can we see the hands? Can we see (laughs) who's getting it right? Can we see who's getting it perfect in thought? Um, I don't think anyone's hands will go up. So he says, well, what I, what I want to uh, focus on here, he says, I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Pray for them. It is God's heart that they would be saved. It is God's heart that they would receive his love and his salvation and his grace. That they would be washed in by the blood of Jesus by believing in the gospel. All right. So the character of God is love. And Jesus came to bring this out in the context of the law here on the Sermon on the Mount. And um, now I just want to continue in Matthew 22. Now this, we've repeated and repeated and repeated, but I think it's good to keep on repeating it. Hello, Ma Rosa and Ma Rita... It's like you let Okay, so uh, smiley face in <laughs> Okay, uh, Matthew 22 verse 34. Now when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of their number, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which kind of commandment is great and important, the principal kind in the law? Some commandments are light, which are heavy. So which is the most important commandment? So now Jesus, again, out of the law, speaks, uh, brings love out, the standard of love out in the context of the law. He says, and he replied to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. So there's the intents and the thoughts. And with all your soul and with all your mind. So all your emotions, all your intents, all your thoughts, all the words inside you must be love toward God. Perfect love. And with all your mind. So everything on the inside must conform to perfect love. That is fulfillment of the law. He says, you shall love the Lord your God, all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. And then he says, verse 38, this is the great, most important principle commandment, first commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as you do yourself. These two commandments sum up and upon them depend all the law and the prophets. And while the Pharisees were still assembled there, Jesus asked them a question, saying, What do you think of the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. He said to them, How is it then that David, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, calls him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how is he his son? <laughs> and no one was able to answer him a word uh, nor from that day did anyone venture to dare question him. So <laughs> it's so funny when Jesus asks them a counter question; they think they're so clever to to ask him a question, and then they can't answer his. So, but anyway, okay. So Jesus, put the now in Matthew chapter 12 and in Matthew chapter 22, the he brought the the per- perfect. Manifestation of love on the inside, he, he made that the full standard of the law. So if we can, by our own decision, love everyone perfectly, have perfect love towards everyone who persecutes us, have perfect love towards anyone who could be perceived as an enemy. If we could never think of another human being made in the image of God that They are an empty-headed fool, or a stupid idiot, or something. If we, if we never go there in our thoughts, if our hearts are filled with fullness of love towards every person, just think of your favorite and your least favorite politician. You know, especially when the lights go off. Okay, just think of all of that, and just imagine how much God loves. Because the full standard of the law is love. Okay, so now if we just jump to Luke chapter 7. Now this is something we've been repeating over and over. But I want you just to see Jesus and the way he thinks. Alright, so one of the Pharisees, verse 36, asked Jesus to dine with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the town who was an especially wicked sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisees' house, brought an alabasca flask of ointment, perfume. And standing behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with the tears, and she wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed her feet affectionately and anointed them with the the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw it, he said to himself, So this is now his inner thought, okay? This is now already where he missed the standard of the law. If this man were a prophet, he would surely know who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him. For she is a notorious sinner, a social outcast devoted to sin. And Jesus, replying, said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Okay, so he said to himself, okay, If this man were a prophet. So this is more an inner thing. It's not like he's speaking to everyone in the room. He's just within himself. He said, Oh yeah, this guy is a prophet. Yeah. Maybe he only just thought it. Jesus replied to it and said, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Teacher, say it. A certain lender of money at interest had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii and one one fifty. And when they had no means of paying, he freely forgave them both. So this is what comes out of Jesus, forgiving the debt of people who cannot pay it. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one I take it for whom he forgave and canceled more. So I I take it that Simon wasn't on the mountain in Matthew chapter 5 to hear what Jesus said about the true standard of the law. Because if he heard that and believed that, he wouldn't have thought that he feared better than the woman that was touching the feet of Jesus. He wouldn't have thought that he had a higher standard of righteousness. The one, I take it, for whom he forgave and canceled more. And Jesus said, you have decided correctly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? When I came into your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with the tears and wiped them with her hair. He gave me no kiss, but she, from the moment I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet tenderly and caressingly. You did not anoint my head with cheap, ordinary oil, but she has anointed my feet with costly, rare perfume. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, many as they are, are forgiven her because she has loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. So when we love, we know and understand God. Uh, that's First John chapter 4. Let me just jump to that and just refer to that quickly. Beloved, let us love one another, for love springs from God. And he who loves his fellow men is begotten of God. So she could not show love without having contact with the love of Jesus. Okay? So this is an attribute of God, an attribute of the Spirit. Okay, so... She could not have been born again yet because the Spirit of God had not yet been poured out. But she had contact with the Christ. She felt the forgiveness. It touched her heart. And immediately she started loving. Now he says uh, he who loves his fellow men is begotten of God and coming progressively to know and understand God to perceive and recognize and get a better and clearer knowledge of Him. That means you start because you experience love when you love someone you start to understand god more you start to perceive recognize get a better and clearer knowledge of him when you love not when you judge if we have an idea of of god as judging people pointing a finger zapping people with lightning bolts then we have no idea who he is and it would be also impossible for us to love people what we will be doing is pointing the finger and zapping people with our words. All right? But he says, he who does not love has not become acquainted with God. So the Pharisee did not love Matthew 22. So he was not acquainted with God. He did not recognize God, the love of God in Jesus. He did not recognize the forgiveness. So he judged Jesus and he judged the woman. Does not never did know him for God is love. So if we recognize love, the law is fulfilled in us. If we recognize love, we recognize God and we start to get a clearer knowledge of him. In this the love of God was made manifest where we are concerned. In that God sent His Son, the only begotten or unique Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us. So He turns around. What is the principal uh, commandment? Matthew 22. Uh, sorry, I was in Luke 7 now. Uh, Matthew chapter 22. What's the principal commandment? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. And this is love. Not that we loved God. So it turns around. But that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So love is revealed to us through forgiveness. If you cannot accept that you are forgiven, how can you know the love of God? And then if that forgiveness comes to you, and the love comes to you, how can you not forgive your brother? That's the thing. So it touches our hearts, and it changes the way we think. It changes our inner man. So uh, we cannot anymore hold a grudge. We cannot anymore hold things against anyone. The Holy Spirit will, will speak to you every time. Okay? It will stand up. We can't, cannot be angry. Man's anger does not promote the righteousness of God. James okay, so the love of Christ uh, is Christ in us. He is love. We have died. We have been raised with Him, in fellowship with Him. That new risen life is The love of Christ, the Spirit of God, it is Christ on the inside of us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Okay, so loving people, forgiving people, that is God in us. You cannot do it without Him. But when you have Him, that is the fruit that you will bear. You will love people. You will forgive people. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience. And meekness and kindness. So let us turn our attention away from our works where we missed it. And let us turn our attention to Him who forgave us and loved us. In this, the love of God was manifested where we are concerned. Uh, That He sent His Son. Okay, well, I'm putting nine and ten together. He sent his son to be the propitiation for us. And this is love, that he sent his son. That means we need to understand the forgiveness, the price that he paid. That's love. And that can touch our hearts. That will make love manifest. Okay? That God sent his son. Right, so if we can see, here comes the perfect beloved son of God. Here he comes. And he is holy. He's blameless. He's perfect. But he goes to the cross and takes my sin upon him. So people accused him. Here he comes, fulfilling Matthew chapter 5. If they want to take your, sue you for your piece of clothes, give him your your tunic as well. So they took his clothes and they cast lots for it. When they accused him, he said not a word. They beat him. He turned the cheek. They beat him again. Okay. So he came and he fulfilled the whole Matthew 5 on the cross. They accused him. They, they beat him to nothing. They ripped him apart on that cross. So t- trying to accuse him, and it, it was even falsely accusing him. He answered not a word. He said, Lord, what else can I take for them? What else, what other sins are, is there anything else that can still come upon me? Let it come to me. Is there anything, any other thing, is there one more punishment of any person in this earth that I can take? All his enemies stood against him, the whole of humanity. All their sins came upon him. He said, okay, come, bring more, bring more, bring more, bring more, bring more. He answered not a word. He let it just come. Let it just come. Let it just come. Okay, and he he hung on that cross. And he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. So he prayed for his enemies. He fulfilled the whole thing. He fulfilled everything that, that he said. He was talking about himself. <laughs> he was talking about himself and the fulfillment of the law alright so when we look at, at these scriptures you know this woman in Luke 7 at, at the Pharisees' house her sins many as they are are forgiven the Pharisee look, judges even Jesus for associating closely with her Jesus says no both of you are forgiven but she she got it see the love coming out of her okay Her sins are forgiven. She has loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. Okay? So if we are so caught up in the law, we will never go for forgiveness because the law doesn't really make so much provision for it. The law itself, it is always God overriding the law being merciful to them. Merciful to them. Merciful to them. But if the law would be in the hands of men and to be taken to the letter uh, and executed on the letter, then no one would live. The law would bring such destruction if it was not for the mercy of God. And here comes Jesus, the merciful one, and he takes all the sin. That's love manifested where we are concerned, the fulfillment of the law taking all of it upon himself, saying, Father, forgive them. And now, so that he could pour out his Spirit and be merciful, so that everyone who believes this word of the gospel could have that love on the inside, and could have that Spirit on the inside, and could have the complete, perfect fulfillment of the law on the inside of them, speaking differently, thinking differently, acting differently. All right, so just remember this, that this is who God is. God is love. This is who he is towards you, and this is who he is in you towards people around you. Okay, I just want to read a few verses out of Matthew, uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Verse 4 says, Let's start at verse 1, because it's it's very, very relevant in the Pentecostal world. (laughs) Very. (laughs) If I can speak in tongues of men and even of angels, but I have not love, (sighs) I'm only a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. So it's good if church gets noisy. I like it. But if there's no love, it's only noise. And if I have prophetic powers, the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose, and understanding all the secret truths and mysteries and possess all knowledge, and if I have sufficient faith that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing, a useless nobody. So all these words, all these morning devotionals and all the revelation in the word, and I mean in the last... Uh, since lockdown started since we before lockdown started, we started with these morning devotionals how many how many have we done hundreds hundreds of messages okay plus Sunday services plus conferences there's hundreds okay now that 's just us now in this last time okay how many men of God are there with so many amazing revelations in the word and women of God that can preach circles around a lot of religious men (laughs) there's women who understand the word there's women who can men can preach in power don't forget the women but if we have not love none of it matters none of the revelations matter if it doesn't reveal love in people and to people then the revelation is not a revelation. None of that matters. Secret truths and mysteries. Doesn't matter if there's no love. Then it's, not a, then it's not really a revelation. Verse 3. Even if I dole out all that I have to the poor in providing food, and if I surrender my body to be burned or in order that I may glory but have not love, I gain nothing. So if you go on a hunger strike out of spite, you gain nothing. Even if you give your body to be burned, but there's no love, there's no, there's no profit in it. Verse 4, love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy. It's not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant, inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly. It does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights. Hello 2021. Everyone insisting on their own rights and imagining rights that isn't even a right. Everyone is offended at everything. Everyone is just insisting on their own way. For it is not self-seeking. Hello, civilization 2021. Okay, not self-seeking. I mean, this is probably the most self-seeking generation in the history. I think every every generation can say that. (laughs) It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. Oh, yeah, but you know, never mind. No account of the evil done to it. No account. God takes no account of the evil you've done. God wants you to take no account of evil done to you. Okay? If you do, you cast yourself to a lower realm. If you don't, You walk in the secret place. You walk with Christ. Okay? God takes no account of evil. I think that's probably the most important thing. Holding grudges. Keeping hatred in your heart alive for generations. No. That's not the way. Jesus said, Okay, you took my my pants. Do you want my jacket? Okay? No account of evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness. So it does not rejoice when people rise up unjustly to do unjust things to other people, even in the political sphere. It does not rejoice when buildings are burnt down for no reason. It does not rejoice when shops are plundered and looted for no reason does not rejoice at those things but rejoices when right and truth prevail love bears up under anything and everything that comes is ever ready to believe the best of every person its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances and it endures everything without weakening love never fails nor fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. So there's no message that will come after love. There's no no other law. There's no other uh, testament that will come after this one. Love is love. That's it. It will remain forever. As for prophecy, it will be fulfilled and pass away. As for tongues, they will be destroyed and cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. It will lose its value and be superseded by truth. Our knowledge is fragmentary, imperfect. But when the complete and perfect comes, the incomplete will vanish away. So the sooner we embrace the love, all the incomplete stuff in our life will just vanish away. Right? So... And now I just want to jump over. Now, 1 Corinthians 14, he goes on speaking about spiritual gifts. But he says, verse 1, Eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim, your great quest, and earnestly desire and cultivate the spiritual endowments, the gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So he's not taking away prophecy to all the people who preach that. Okay. All right, so um, may the love of Christ just, you know, bless you. May you understand the, the vital need for receiving forgiveness and forgiving others. That is the very essence of love. Love forgives. All right, so thank you for listening and bless you. So pray with us. We have an appointment. We have a... Meeting with the with the people concerning the church building, so I don't even know what we're going to discuss, but we're going to discuss some stuff <laughs> and hopefully we'll have some good news by the end of today. All right, so um, so be blessed, send us an email and uh, have an amazing day so uh, and also during this week, uh, the first of November, we have elections in South Africa. Please pray for it. There will be no violence, there will be no looting, there will be no burning of buildings. Everything will be peaceful, everything will be full of grace and peace, and we pray for God's will to, to come to pass. We pray for man, all the weaknesses of South Africa will become its strengths. Yeah. Alright, <laughs> All right, so be blessed everyone, we'll see you again tomorrow morning at 9. Amen.